Amen. I want to try and preach to you tonight about living under a spell, living under a spell. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about witchcraft tonight. I thought about calling this sermon the People's Baptist Church Witchcraft Trials, but I wasn't sure how that would go over. Of course, I didn't really care, but I just didn't think that that would be a very good sermon title. So I stuck with living under a spell. Uh, did you know that it's possible to have witches in a Baptist church? It's very possible. It's very possible that there's some witches right in here. And they're probably not even ladies. That's very possible. That's very possible. You say, what you talking about? Well, you got in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you got a, you got a fella in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and he's a witch. You say, no, sir, Brother Nathan, you got the wrong passage. No, I got the right passage. I'm talking about Saul. Saul's a witch. You say, he ain't no witch. Sure he is. I'll argue with you until we drop dead. And I hope it's you first. <laughs> you say, why would you say that Saul's a witch? Well, look right here in verse 15, uh, 23, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. The Bible said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. There it is. Saul's, Saul's, a, Saul's a witch. He should be burned. He should be put to death. That's what the scripture says we're supposed to do with them. Yes, sir. Now, we're not in a situation as far as national government goes right now. We're not operating under the kingdom of heaven, so we don't burn real witches. But if they did what, we were, what they were supposed to do back in that day and time, and they didn't do all of it because when you get down to the end of 1 Samuel, towards the end of the book, Saul's really consorting with a real witch. Yes, sir. But he, listen, when you get in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul's already got the makings of it in his own heart. Yes, sir. He's already. Hey, listen, what you are in your heart is what you're going to be real comfortable around. Yes, sir. Whatever's down deep in your heart is what you're going to be very, very satisfied with uh, messing around with at some point at some point or another. Yes, sir. That's that's what's going to happen. So let me preach to you about this witch right here in first Samuel 15. Father, I pray you help us tonight. God, I pray that you give me the wisdom and the grace, God, Lord, and the, the strength, God, the power. Lord, that I need God to preach as I ought to. Help me, Lord, to do exactly as I need to do, Lord. Preach exactly as I ought to preach, Lord. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not going to turn from 1 Samuel 15 because that's really where I want to preach out of this evening. But I'm going to turn over very quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 4 and read you a verse of Scripture. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 it says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I came in here on Sunday morning and made the comment during Sunday school. I ain't scared of no witch. And about half the church got real quiet. Spirit seized up. Sunday morning service was real difficult to preach. I thought maybe it was me, so I came back Sunday night and said, well, we'll just preach the gospel. Maybe, maybe it was all me. No, it wasn't me. It was somebody in here or maybe a bunch of you. I don't know. But all I know, all I know is this. I'm not scared of no witch. I'm more scared. I'm more scared of the witches that's sitting in here and they don't know that they're witches. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bible says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, The Spirit speaketh expressly. He's not beating around the bush. 
He's very, he very straight about what he's saying. And he said, in the latter times, some are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. When you think of that word seducing, you usually think of the way, like the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the way of a man with a maid. But usually when you think of seduction, you think the other way around. But this is a seducing spirit. This is something that's out to deceive. It's something out. But boy, you begin to think and you think, well, man, that's a... That's a devil. That's a demon. Because he does say in the next phrase, doctrines of devils, all seducing spirit. But it's not, it's not some spirit that's out there floating around. You know what that is? That's your spirit. That's you. Seducing spirits. The Bible said, uh, let me just turn over there, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. It said, but evil men and seducers... That's not no unclean spirit. That's not no devil. That's you. That's people. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know what? You know what? Uh, uh, done lost my, lost my place here. These seducing spirits, you know what they do? They deceive, but they also partake in being deceived. Hey, what we're going to look at here in 1 Samuel chapter 15 this evening is a classic example of a fellow who thought he was doing what was right. He thought he was doing so much as, uh, he thought he was doing right so much that when the preacher came to talk to him about his failure, he said, hey, blessed be you of the Lord. Hey, I've done exactly what God told me to do. And Samuel looked at him and said, you ain't done nothing of the kind. He said, your sheep's bleating out on you. He said, your oxen and your cattle is letting me know that you didn't do what God told you to do. You know what he told him? He said, saw you living under a spell. Fully convinced, fully persuaded in his own mind. Hey, I'm, I'm doing right. Hey, I'm going in the right direction. Yes, sir. And see how it's tightened up a little bit in here? God being my helper, I'm going to spend the next couple of services. We're going to get that out of here. Yeah. Yes, sir. That, I don't know what that is right there. I don't know what attitude that is. I don't know where it's coming from, but that ain't right. Amen. Yes, sir. And if you, grie if you grieve in the Spirit of God with that kind of an attitude, you need to get right, you old backslider. Yes, sir. I don't know where that's coming from. Let me look right here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. The Bible said, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over, over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto, unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. You know, God's got his mind made up about things. Did you know that? God's not confused. Did you know that too? God is not sitting up in heaven saying, I wonder what I should be doing. I, I wonder uh, what direction I should be going. God's not confused about none of that stuff. God's not confused about who his enemies are. God's not confused about who his children are. He's not confused about who's on his side. Yes, sir. Hey, the disciples came to him one day and they said, hey, Lord, there's some fellas that's casting out devils in your name. And he said, because they're, they said, because they're not following us, we told them to stop. And Jesus said, why would you do that? He said, if they're not against us, they're for us. The Lord's not, the Lord's not deceived. He's not confused about who his enemies are and who his friends are. Hey, let me, listen, God never has to worry about friendly fire. 
God don't ever have to worry about friendly fire. If I was standing next to Brother Chris over there, if I was standing next to Brother Chris and God wanted to hit me with a, a, a lightning bolt, Brother Chris ain't got nothing to worry about. God don't ever miss. Yes, sir. If I was standing up here, God would be merciful to me. I speak as a fool, but if God was standing up, if I was standing up here this evening, God wanted to hit me with a lightning bolt, you ain't got nothing to worry about. If God wanted to hit me. Now, it might make you wonder. It might make you confess your sins real fast. That's stuff that you've been harboring all week because you're too hard-headed to get right with the Lord. But you ain't got nothing to worry about if I'm the one that God wants to get. You say, why? Because God's got his mind made up about stuff. God knows. God knows. God knows what's on his mind. Yes, sir. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. You know why that is? Because God's not confused. Yes, sir. Hey, you know, if you, if you run up with somebody and they say, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just really confused. I can tell you where you didn't get that from. I don't know where it came from. Might have come no farther than just in your own breast. But I can tell you where it didn't come from. It didn't come from the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, if you're sitting in here this evening and you're confused, well, I wonder what Brother Nathan's preaching this sermon for. Well, I, I know this where you didn't get that from. You didn't get it from the Lord. You didn't get it from God. Hey, if you've got decisions in your life and you're not sure about what to do, you don't know which way to go, you're not sure what's the right thing to do, and you've got some confusion, there's a difference. Hey, there's a difference between not knowing what to do and being in a state of confusion. There's a difference. There's a difference. You need, a, you need an answer in both places. But usually what happens is, is when you get confused, you're not really looking for an answer. You're looking for your answer. Yes, sir. Lord, I'd really like to know about what to do about this. And God says, okay, here's your answer. That's not really the answer I was looking for. God said, that's your answer. No, no, I'd really like to have something else. You said God wouldn't do that. You don't know God. That's probably why you're messing around in the darkness of your own imagination right here tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God's not confused. And listen, I know this. If you fellowship with him, you won't be confused. Yes, sir. Lord's not confused about who his, who his friends are. He's not confused about who his enemies are. Unless you don't get confused fellowshipping with God. Hey, you don't get confused reading your Bible. You say, oh, Brother Nathan, there's some things that I don't understand in my Bible. That's not where you get confused from. Hey, there's plenty of things. I could show you things that I read today. I could show you things that I read yesterday. I could show you things that I read on Monday that I don't know what it's talking about. I read through the book of Revelation today. Yes, sir. There's plenty in the book of Revelation that I don't know what it is. But I'm not confused about any of it. You say, what do you mean, Brother Nathan? It is what it says. I take it for what it says. I believe it. I don't go through the book of Revelation and try to make, you know, these things that come up out of the bottomless pit some kind of atomic warfare. I take them as literal creatures that come up out of a bottomless pit. I'm not confused about that. Yes, sir. And when my Bible says something, I just take, I take it for what it says. You say, why? Because God's not confused about anything. God didn't inspire a man and say, hey, Jeremiah, I think you should write this. And Jeremiah wrote it down. And then 600 years later, the Lord thought, well, maybe I wasn't crystal clear about that. No, sir. No, sir. So if you're sitting in here and you're confused tonight, I can tell you where you didn't get that from. Hey, I can tell you this. You don't get confused by praying. Yeah. 
Hey, you know where you get confused from? You get confused by watching YouTube. You get confused by talking to somebody, talking to some preacher, or talking to a commentary rather than talking to the Lord. That's where you get confused. I got commentaries. I watch things on YouTube, preaching. I watch that stuff, but I don't spend more time with that than I do with the Lord. Oh, Brother Nathan, he's bragging. I couldn't care less what you think tonight. I'm just telling you what's true. Don't spend more time messing around with that stuff than I spend in my Bible. I'd rather get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't get confused from God. Let me ask you something. You confused? You know what lack of confusion will help breed? What it will help produce in your heart? Confidence. I just don't understand why, why some of these people are just so confident. Why some of these Christians, why some of these preachers are so confident? Well, how can they not be when they're fellowshipping with God? Now, if you're fellowshipping with CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and Glenn Beck, I can understand why you might not have a whole lot of confidence. Because those guys have never been right about anything before. Let me ask you something. What are you so mad at a preacher for anyway? We'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, you, know, you know where God's will came to Saul from? It came from Samuel. It came from a preacher. Oh, Samuel went, went down there to Saul and said, Hey, this is what God wants you to do. We're living in a day and age right now. We're living in a society right here in Charlton County where hell would freeze over before somebody take instruction from a, from a preacher. You say, oh, no, not People's Baptist Church, Brother Nathan. We've had some of the best preaching with the former pastors that have been here. No, it's right here, right here. We come in for the last three Sunday mornings, and it felt like it feels like a morgue in here. Get, get rolling through Sunday school and things somewhat okay, and then we hit Sunday morning, it just about frees up, and then Sunday night's a pot shot on whether it might be okay or why, whether it might not. Just don't know. Don't know how it's going to turn out. Hey, if, you, if you're okay, listen, if you're okay with it, I'm okay to preach about it. If you're satisfied with letting it be here, I'm satisfied with calling it out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I guess maybe you just might not have a whole lot of confidence, maybe a little bit confused about some things. Hey, why you got, why you got confidence in the things that you're seeing on TV? Well, people's very sensational. Did you know that? You don't have to look any farther than just this past week to find that out. I'm talking about the news. I'm talking about the hurricane. As soon as I walked in, Miss Faye said, did you know that a hurricane was coming? I said, yeah. I said, that's the rumor. I'm not sure I believe it. I've been working. I worked in a prison. I, I forget for how long, maybe 10 years or something like that, maybe a little bit, of shy, little, little bit shy of that. And we had to take precautions during a hurricane. I know about that stuff. I'm not, I'm not advocating foolishness, but you know what people do? They get, on, they get on the news. People get on television, and everything is dramatic. Everything is drama. Everything is, let's spin it up as tight as we can so we can get people to worry. You know why they do that? Because people eat into it hook, line, and sink. Listen, don't you talk to me about no young school girl. Don't you talk to me about no woman staying at home and watching soap operas. It's you. It's you sitting at home watching the news saying, oh, my soul, what's going to happen with all this stuff? I wonder what the government's going to do. It's you. 
It's you. It's you. Brother Nathan, it's, it's not that at all. We just come in on Sunday morning tired and we just not, oh, just not feeling like coming to worship. Then go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier. Hey, if that's what's really going on, if you're really tired, go to bed earlier. I recommend about sundown. Yes, sir. When God turns out his lights, that's time for you to get in bed. He said, Brother Nathan, I don't operate that way. Okay, do what you want to. I don't care. That's not doctrine. That's advice. Yeah. All I'm telling you is, if it's going to hinder the service on Sunday, how about you come in ready? How about you go to bed early? And how about you pray before you go to bed? And how about you pray when you get up in the morning? And how about you pray when you pull up in the parking lot and you'll be ready to meet with God on Sunday morning instead of coming in here and creating a brick wall while some preacher's trying to preach to some folks that need some help. It's all on you, though. No, Brother Nathan, it's just you. You're dead. Well, I mean, when you try and preach and, boy, things just... Hey, people sitting right in the building trying to say amen. I can tell. People sitting right in the building while preaching's going on. People sitting there saying, amen, preacher. And they're trying to get with it. You say, what's going on? Somebody living under a spell, I guess. Like old Saul, living under a spell. Living under spell. Uh, maybe the preacher said something got you mad as the devil. And now the preacher ain't your buddy no more. He ain't your friend. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. And if I find out what I said that made you so mad, I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to keep saying it until you make a decision on doing something about it. Whether that be, be visiting an altar or getting right with God. And I hope there is no other alternative. But if there is an alternative, you'll have to make that decision. But quit coming to church and hindering God's spirit. Quit coming to church and hindering the rest of the church service. You say, Brother Nathan, should we just stay home? No! Get right with God. Get right with God. Amen. That is good. Yes, sir, that's good preaching. You said, Brother Nathan, I think you're just being foolish. No, I think you're being foolish for being quiet right now. Amen. Amen. That's true. Brother Nathan, there's only a handful of us. It don't take a whole lot of folks to hinder a move of God. You know what's, you know what's hanging in the balance of God moving in this place? Your children. Your grandbabies. What's going to be with this church in about 70 years? I better get back to this sermon. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Nathan, I don't know what God's will is. Well, I can tell you this. God's not confused about it, what his will is. God knows. Let me ask you something. Can I ask you something with all sincerity? As the rest of the sermon has been preached so far. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you asked God what his will is? Do you care? Do you even want to know? You know where the toughness comes from in a church like this? You know where the toughness comes from? It comes from the same place it's always come from. People not worried about God's will. They're worried about their will. They're not worried about God's house. Worried about their house. Not worried about God's family. Worried about their family. That's why you're miserable. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're discouraged. So I'm not discouraged. I'm not depressed. Then why is it that when you sit down still for five seconds, you ain't got no peace in your heart? 
Gotta go, 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 gotta go. Get in the car, gotta turn on the radio. Sit in the house, gotta turn on the TV. Get out down to the workplace, gotta turn on the cell phone. Just gotta have something going all the time. When's the last time you ever stopped and just started fellowshipping with God? When's the last time you ever got out on your knees and started talking to God in earnest? Yes, sir. I'm not, I'm not asking you this evening. I'm not asking you if you backslid. I'm telling you, you backslid. You're out of touch with God. And listen, the whole, the whole church feels it. We feel it in the church services. We feel it in the singing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. You know what's wrong with you? I'm telling you. You know what's wrong with you? You're under a spell. You're under a spell. You say, what's the spell, Brother Nathan? Well, you're a witch. And you're under this spell of rebellion. Preacher, you're not going to tell me what to do. Okay, then you tell you what to do. First of all, do something. I mean, do something. But hey, if you're not going to have a preacher tell you what to do, that's, that's your call. Listen, but I tell you something, hotshot. You ain't got all the will of God figured out like you think you do. You don't know everything that you think you do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whether you like to believe it or not, God uses preachers. God uses teachers. God uses his church. And he uses that to correct you. He uses that to establish you. He uses those things to help you out in this life as far as your spiritual walk with God is concerned. And when you reject those things that God's given, when you reject those tools that God's made available to you, you do it to your own demise. You're operating under a spell, you old witch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God's will came to Saul through Samuel. You don't understand God's will because you've got a sorry attitude towards God's preachers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know the preachers you like? You like the preachers that you agree with. That's in a man. That's, that's how people are. But I'm not preaching about how people are. I'm preaching to you. You know who you like? You folks right here at People's Baptist, you like a preacher that preaches the things that you agree with. You know who else liked that? Jezebel. You know what Jezebel's problem was? She didn't like the message that Elijah had to offer. Elijah's, Elijah's message was, you're a scoundrel. You're a reprobate. You're on your way to hell. God does not like you. And Jezebel said, hmm, I think I need to get a hold of the National Council of Churches and see if we can get a new pastor in here. So she got on the line and she called and they said, yes, ma'am, we got somebody right from the first church of Dale. We'll send him right over. And he came into Samaria and set up his little Masonic lodge or whatever it was. And you know what that preacher started preaching? Jezebel's message. Jezebel sat right on the front row in that little church, in that little temple, the first, first church of Baal there in Samaria. She sat right on the front row, and everything that that preacher said, she sat there and went. When she walked out the back door, she put, her, put his hand in hers, and she said, that was such an excellent sermon. You know why she thought it was? It's because it was her sermon. It's what she identified with. Yeah. 
God help a man that would lay out of church to watch YouTube preaching. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it's right. You say, what you saying, Brother Nathan? What I'm saying is when you get on YouTube, you can pick the sermons you like. But when you come down here, you have to have God spoon feed it to you. Not the way that you wanted it. You have to have something that may be disagreeable to, maybe you do agree with it. And if you do, praise the Lord. But hey, uh, if that's all the preaching that you ever get from a pulpit, that preacher ain't doing you no good. The good that's being done to you is when the preacher stands up and says, hey, you're the one that's guilty of what I'm saying. Yes, sir. Not talking about calling nobody out, but I don't know. Maybe that might be good for you a time or two. I say that tongue-in-cheek. I, I wouldn't ever do that. I, that's not right. We have, we have ways of going about that stuff. We go to folks privately. I would never call anybody out. You say, why, Brother Nathan? Because the Bible says in the book of Matthew, you're supposed to go to them. When you start calling people out, that's not a time to get right. That's a time to put people out. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Whether, however you feel about it, I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Yes, sir, God's will. God's will, it comes to Saul through Samuel. It came to Saul through Samuel. When God wanted to get something through to Saul, God didn't come knocking on Saul's door. Listen, I'm not telling you you can't find out what the will of God is yourself, but I am telling you this, you ain't going to find out God's will. You ain't going to find out God's will if you ain't never picking up his book and saying, God, I'd like to know what you want me to do. Listen, I just tell you, I know, I know some of you ain't touched God's book this week. You ain't touched it last week. You ain't touched it the week before. Hey, God's Bible, a healthy dose of Bible every day, every week, it doesn't produce a scowl on your face when you come to church. It doesn't produce the molly grubs when you come into church to sing about that God you've been reading about all week. It puts joy in your heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you know that God's will is often extreme? Look at what he said. Verse 3, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 3. Samuel tells Saul, he said, God said, verse 2, thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 3, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. Everything. Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling. That's little babies that haven't quit nursing. So, Brother Nathan, that's pretty extreme. God's will often is. Oxen, sheep, camel, and ass. Yes, sir, listen, in order for you to be obedient. That was Saul's problem. Saul wouldn't be obedient. In order for you to be obedient, you're going to have to go to extreme measures a lot of times. You're going to have to go to measures to where you think in your own mind, no, there ain't no way I can do that. God said, I want you to read 50 pages in your Bible every day. There ain't no way I could ever do that, Lord. There ain't no commandment in the Bible to do that. I'm not saying that's doctrine. All I'm saying is the Lord going to deal with you sometime or another. Hey, you need to take this Bible reading thing serious. Hey, maybe 50 pages is what you need to do every day. Lord, I can't read well. Okay, Moses. Moses said he couldn't talk well. God said, okay, I'll send, I'll send you Aaron and he'll be your mouthpiece. And Aaron never said a word for Moses. You know what the problem was? 
It wasn't that Moses couldn't. It was, it was that Moses didn't want to. You got the wrong guy. Or say, hey, I want you to start reading 50 pages in your Bible every day. God, you got the wrong guy. I'm not called to preach. No, but you're miserable like a preacher running from the call to preach. <laughs> Jonah. Yes, sir. I'm not talking about the call to preach. I'm talking about the call to obey. I'm talking about, hey, do what God wants you to do. I don't know what it is that you need to start doing to get yourself right with God, but you know, you know what God's dealt with you about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what it is. Hey, you need to start praying for 30 minutes every day. Oh, I couldn't do that. No, you don't want to. I'm just too busy. You too busy to talk to the one that gave his life for you? I know, I know. You got, you got a whole lot of stuff in your life that's more important than that. Hmm? Vehicles that need to be fixed. Front door needs to be taken care of so your wife quit hollering at you. Huh? Leaky faucet that needs to be fixed. I don't know. Oh, I, I got to go to work. I got to work 12-hour days. You can't squeeze no time for Jesus in there. Some of you, I guess you can. I don't know. That's on you. It's not that you can, it's that you won't. So, Brother Nathan, I really am too busy. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. God, I just feel like I got too much going on for me to do what you're asking. But I recommend you be very careful when you get ready to do that because God might help you with that. Lord, I feel like I got too much going on with my job. Okay, you're fired. Now you got all the time you need. You better be careful. Hey, listen, God looks at your half-hearted commitment like no commitment at all. Oh, Lord, I obeyed. You call that obedience? That looks like a sullen, pouty child. I came to church, Lord. Yeah, but you was miserable as the devil the whole time you was there. You wasn't listening. You was thinking about everything you was going to do during the week. You was laying out your agenda for the week. You didn't pray before you went. I went. I saw you take care of all that Amalek, all that Amalek stuff for the Lord. Oh, yeah. I still hear some sheep bleating. What's King Agag doing over there? Well, you know what Saul's prob problem was? He thought he knew better. Hey, you know what's wrong with some of you sitting right in this building tonight? You think you know better. God told you to do something and you think you got it figured out. God touch a preacher's heart and say, preach on this. And he preach on it. You get upset with a preacher about it, not realizing it's not coming from a preacher. It's coming from the Lord. Amen. Hey, God said in the book of 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians. I believe it's chapter 2. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, told that church down there, he said, the reason that the word of God worked so well in you is that you received it not as the word of men, but as it was in truth. The word of God. Amen. Yeah. 
He said, when you heard it coming out of my mouth, when you heard it coming out of Timothy's mouth, when you heard it coming out of my, uh, my compadre's mouth, he said, you took it as it was coming straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. I just don't understand this stuff. Well, maybe if you approached it with some faith. I don't understand it, but I know he's reading the verses. I know that's right at least. But because the preacher got off your little card, and now he's preaching something that maybe you disagree with, oh no, sir. This guy's lost his mind. Saul thought he knew better. He didn't think, he didn't think well, he did think that he knew better than Samuel. But he thought he knew better than God. He, he didn't look at it that way. I know something that Samuel doesn't know. Did he? Not according to the text. Yes, sir. Uh, look, look on down here. Let's, let's see right here. Oh, verse 6. And Saul said to the... Well, no, don't want to start there. Uh, verse 7. Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. God told him, wipe everything out. Don't matter what it looks like to you. God said, they're my enemies. Oh, Lord, but this is good. God said, I don't care. Oh, but Lord, we'll save this and give this to you in a sacrifice. God said, I don't want it in a sacrifice. I want it destroyed. Saul, Saul said, no, no, we couldn't possibly do that. We'll take all this stuff and we'll trust to uh, resource management. Hey, we've got an abundance of stuff. Let's just take it to ourselves and we'll figure out how to make it stretch. I mean, there ain't no sense in working ourselves bankrupt that down in Israel we can, when we can take all this stuff for Amalek. We can use all this stuff in the sacrifices to God. You know, that's the same attitude that uh, Achan had. I'm going to remember his name here in a second. That's the same attitude Achan had. Well, there ain't no sense in letting all these, this Babylonian garment and this wedge of gold and these pieces of silver. There ain't no sense in letting all that go to waste. God, God wouldn't mind if we used that. I mean, after all, God said that he put clothes on our back. I mean, it's right there. It's almost like the Lord told me to take it. Real easy to talk yourself into stuff when you got your mind made up. I don't have to go to church on Wednesday night. The preacher been saying you have to. Oh yeah, but that preacher, he don't understand. He don't understand how much money I'm making. That's because it's not coming from the preacher. Hey, listen, don't you think for five seconds that when I get up here and say, you should be in church every time the door is open. Don't you think for five seconds, I don't know that some of you make more money in a week than I've ever dreamed of making in two. I wouldn't wish you no loss in your business for nothing. But you know what? I can't care. Because it's not my preaching. It's not my truth. It's not my word. You want to lay out a church on Wednesday night? Really? You help yourself. But it's going to be bad for you. 
I don't, I don't know if it's going to be within the matter of a week. I don't know if it's going to be in the matter of six months. I don't know if it's going to be in the matter of a year. I don't know if it's going to take 20 years. Brother Nathan, don't you think the Bible said, don't you know that the Bible said if a man doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel? I do know that it says that. As a matter of fact, I've probably read that more in the last year than you've read it this past two or three. I know the Bible says that. But I also know the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What things was he talking about? That's Matthew chapter 5. What things was he talking about? He was talking about food and raiment. Can I give you a word of testimony? I don't, I'm trying to get out of this habit, but let me give you a word of testimony. When I started working, when I started working a job as a young man, 18, 19, 20 years old, whenever it was that I got my first real job, worked on the side for some men in the church, but when I first got my real job, I think my first real job was Chick-fil-A. Going to go flip some chick, chicken patties. Not patties, but chicken whatever they are. Flays. That's why they call it Chick-fil-A, I guess. When I took that job, I bowed my head before I went on the first day of work. And I said, God, if you'll help me, Lord, if you'll keep the doors open, I will do my best. I will do my best to never take a job that will keep me out of church on a regular basis. God has paid the way every job I've ever had. I went from making $9 an hour at Chick-fil-A, I think. I'm not going to tell you how much I made at my last job. <laughs> I made well. I made well. Of course, insurance got most of it. That's <laughs> what Obama did for us. Hey, God took care of me, though. But you know better, don't you? It's all going to work out. Lord just doesn't understand. Brother Nathan, you just don't understand. If I went and worked all this overtime for three months, I could have a good chunk of change to put in as a tithe. But it'd keep me out of church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for about three months. I recommend you let that stuff, I recommend you let your boss keep that. And I recommend you just trust God. Unless you're under a spell, then you do it your way. Yes, sir. Saul thought he knew better. You're going to trust the resource management rather than obedience to God. You're never going to. Listen, listen, it's real easy to feel like you insulate yourself. Real easy to feel like you insulate yourself when you've got a cupboard full of canned goods and got six loaves of bread in the freezer. Huh? Got three gallons of milk in the refrigerator and drink a gallon a day. Huh? Can I hear an amen? Okay, neither, either way. I like, I like milk. Hey, it's real easy. It's real easy to feel like you're hiding behind something when you got all that stuff lined up. But I'm telling you, God is going to avenge disobedience. You soothe your mind over, and you can let that stuff roll. And you can forget about it. And the longer God lets it go, the harder your heart's getting. God's going to come knocking on your door one of these days. 
Let me tell you something. You get mad as a devil at a preacher. But on that day when God comes and visits you, you're either going to call a preacher or you're going to sit there and have so much pride that you ain't going to call nobody. That, I'm not, te- I'm not asking you. I'm telling you that's the way it's going to roll. Lord will leave you right to your own devices. Yes, sir. And you know that's true. Yes, sir. Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, verse 9, and of the oxen, of the fatlings and lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, they destroyed utterly. We'll keep the good stuff, but we'll get rid of the bad stuff. Well, according to whose point of view? God said it was all bad. See, that's where we're at. Somebody that's operating under the spell of rebellion, that's a witch. They're operating under a spell. You say, Brother Nathan, uh, witches are people that throw spells out. Well, how do you reckon they do that unless they're not under the spell to begin with? Hey, man came to Jesus and said, hey, Lord, why don't you heal my son? Lord said, okay, I'll come down there and heal. He said, why don't you come heal my servant? He said, I'll come down to your house and heal. He said, Lord, you don't have to do that. He said, I'm a man under authority and I tell my servants, go and he goes, do and he does. Hey, you know how a witch throws out a spell? She's under a spell herself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've said this, I've said this before. Boy, it blows my mind that folks don't see this. You get your little son or a little daughter in your house and they're rebels and rebels and rebels and rebels and rebels and rebels and rebels. Where's all that rebellion coming from? Oh, they're just bad teenagers. They're just bad kids. Where'd they learn it from? I'll tell you where they learned it from. Daddy. Mama. Yes, sir. That kid didn't come out of the womb being a rebel. He came out with a human nature. There's no doubt about that. He came out with something that wants to save his hide at the expense of somebody else's. That's in there. But he was led to be a rebel. Somebody taught him to be that way. Yes, sir. Thought he knew better. I, I'd keep the good stuff, but leave off with the bad stuff. But God said it's all bad. What's really going on is you got the wrong perspective. You're looking at things the wrong way. Yes, sir. Well, I think if we'll just, you know, sit down and think about this. Listen, a lot of your trouble is coming from the fact that you're thinking about, God, about stuff that God already provided answers for. God said do and you're thinking. God said don't and you're thinking. God don't care what you think. God don't care what Nathan Irie thinks. God don't care what the congregation of People's Baptist thinks. God cares what God said. That's what God cared. And listen, the greatest day of your life is going to be when you start caring about what God said more than you care about what you think. Yes, sir. That's going to be a great day in your life. You know what got Saul messed up? Same thing that got Achan messed up is just a bunch of stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look down here in verse 18. The Bible said, the Lord, Samuel's talking to Saul, and he said, the Lord sent you on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil? I love how the Bible words things. He, he didn't just jump on it. He flew on it, man. He didn't just take it. He flew on it. I'm going to fly on the spoil. Just going to frolic right on down there. You know what got him messed up? Stuff. 
what got him under a spell. Just a bunch of stuff. Got to have more stuff. Got to have more stuff. Got to have my little trinkets. Got to have my little gadgets. Got to have more toys. Hey, get all of it that you want until you get under a spell. Yes, sir. You know what else got him messed up? Look at verse 24. Saul said unto Samuel, I've sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words because I feared the people. Paul said, uh, Saul said, I was scared of them. I was scared of what the people would think. What's got some folks under a spell? Is they scared about what mama's going to say? Scared about what daddy's going to say? Scared about what the children's going to say? Scared about what grandma and grandpa's going to say? Yes, sir. Hey, some of you are scared about what some preachers is going to say. I'm getting pretty near well to where I don't care about that no more. I, I have to pray about it every once in a while because I take a little bit of glory in making preachers mad. You say, why would you do that? Because most preachers don't care about what God said. They care about what they think. I'm going to get off of that because I'll spend about three hours preaching there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And when Saul got called on the carpet, you know what he said? Hey, it was the people that kept all this stuff. Samuel said, hey, didn't God send you on a journey to go down there and wipe all this stuff out? Well, yeah, but the people. You know, when a man gets working under a spell, when a woman gets working under a spell, you know what the first thing they do is? They don't take responsibility. They don't say, it's me. What they say is, the people. It's this church. It's this church. How come we've been coming in here on Sunday mornings and it's so dead? Well, first of all, it's not dead. But the deadness that you do feel is probably caused by you. You say, Brother Nathan, that applies to you. Well, I mean, you come spend a week with me. Let's see how much I pray and how much I'm praying about that. And sit back in here like a fly on the wall and see what a blessing I get while I'm studying. The only thing that's not back there in the office is the congregation. Yes, sir. That don't, that don't mean that church is wrong. It just means that something in the church is wrong. And let's get it fixed. Let's get it taken care of. Yes, sir. Otherwise, you're going to sit around and say, what's wrong with that church? Hey, what, what's wrong with Brother Chris? I mean, he's a deacon in the church, and he's supposed to do this, and he's supposed to do that. What's wrong with Brother Curtis? I mean, you know, these guys. Brother Tommy, he's picking all these songs. and Well, he picks too many songs. He just picks songs across the board. I mean, man, he never sings the same stuff to let us. Hmm? No, it's not the church. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. You're under a spell. You say, what's the spell, Brother Nathan? Rebellion. You're a rebel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's my family. It's my wife. If I could just get my wife right with God. Hey, listen, if you got her as right with God as you are, you'd make her twofold more the child of hell than you are. Yes, sir. You'd make her just as messed up as you are. Hey, if, if just my husband, if you got him right with God like you are, you'd mess him up. Hmm? It's just my kids. Well, I might agree with you on that. <laughs> no, it's not your kids. It's not your kids. It's their leadership. 
It's the ones who's teaching them. It's the one who's leading them down at the house. Yes, sir. Hey, quit blaming it on everybody else, Saul. Just say, God, it's me. I did this. I worked myself into this frame of mind. I got myself here. It's me. I'm guilty. Hey, David did that, and as soon as he did it, God said, well, this is what's going to happen, but you're forgiven. You're not going to die. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the right way to go about it. But, oh, no. Oh, no, you're not going to do that because you're under a spell because you're the one that disobeyed, and now it's everybody else's fault. That's what Saul spent the rest of his life. Listen to me. Saul spent the rest of his life trying to prove to himself and trying to prove to all of his kingdom he was not the guy that was wrong. It was David. And you know what David had that Saul didn't? David had the presence of God because David was more worried about God's will. And Saul didn't have the presence of God because Saul was worried about Saul's will. Brother Nathan, I want the presence of God on my life. You are going to have to forget about you. You're going to have to forget about your will. You say, well, what do I do about my job? Keep working because that's part of God's will. But work your job because it's God's will, not because it's yours. Yes, sir. You're going to have to get your mind wrapped around that. Yes, sir. You're going to have to get your mind wrapped around that. Why should I be a faithful daddy? Because it's God's will. Why should I be a, God, a godly mama? Because it's God's will. Why should I be a good church member? Because it's God's will. You just keep worrying about what you want to do and you're going to be a miserable devil for the rest of your life. And everywhere you go, the only thing that's going to come out of your mouth is, I was right. I was right. Then why are you so miserable? Why are you so upset? What you constantly complaining and whining like a little girl for? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got about six sermons sitting back there that I've got all this week, and I want to preach all of them, and I'm trying my best not to, but they all kind of blend together when you've been thinking about it from Sunday to Wednesday. Yes, sir. Hey, it'll put some joy in your heart when you start getting right with God. Yes, sir. It'll help you. It'll help you. Listen, look right here in verse 22. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He said, You're taking all this stuff and you're going to give this stuff all to God. And God doesn't care about it at all. You know the only thing God wanted out of you, Saul? He just wanted you to do what he said. Yeah, but look at all this stuff I could do for God. God doesn't want it. God wants you to do what he said. Hey, but I could get more money and give it to the church. I could get more money and take care of my family. God wants your obedience. Hey, but I could spend that time that I'm supposed to be reading my Bible doing this and spending time with little Johnny and throwing the football and playing whatever games. God wants your obedience. God just wants you to be obedient. God wants you to be obedient. Hey, you throw a little football with little Johnny, that ain't going to help him near as much as if you know how to answer a question that he's got about the Scripture. Hey, playing little video games or playing uh, paintball or airsoft with your little uh, boys and your little children, that ain't going to do you no good as much as being able to get a prayer through for them. Yes, sir. That's what will that's help you, kids. That's what will help you. God wants your obedience. 
back in Jeremiah chapter 7, this has been a verse of scripture that's been on my mind for two weeks. I heard a preacher say it. He's an old Puritan preacher. I heard him quote the verse, and boy, it has stuck with me for about maybe not two weeks, maybe about a week. And the verse is in Jeremiah chapter 7. I don't have it memorized, but God told Jeremiah, he said, you go back and you tell those Israelites. He said, to which one of your fathers did I speak when I brought them out of the land of Egypt? He said, to which one of your fathers did I speak about all these burnt offerings and sacrifices? He said, that's not what I wanted out of them. He said, what I told them was, obey my voice and ye shall be my people. You know what got Israel in the mess that they were in? They got into where they was more satisfied with just offering up a sacrifice. Huh? Well, you know, we always got the blood of Jesus Christ to get forgiveness for our sins. No, what you got's religion. You couldn't give a rip about really being obedient to God. You worried about finding something to cover up all of your failure so that you can keep doing it. God said, that's not what I want. God said, I want your obedience. So, Brother Nathan, doesn't the blood of Jesus Christ forgive us? 100%. God's faithful. But when you get to the place to where you start using that as a justification for your iniquity, well, I can always ask for forgiveness for it. God will forgive me. God said, that's not how this works. God said, obey my voice. I want your obedience. Obey my voice and you'll be my people. Hey, does anybody know you're God's people? Does anybody know that you belong to the Lord? Hmm? Or are you too busy going through a religious ritual? That's what Israel did. Hey, we got the sacrifices. We got the Passover. We got Feast of Tabernacles. We got all this stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Verse 26, Samuel said unto Saul, I'll not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Saul thought he was doing a great service for God, and you know what he didn't realize? He didn't realize that what he thought was a great service was what was going to get him rejected as a servant. Hey, God didn't kill Saul. He didn't lose his life. If I could apply that to you, I say this. You're not going to lose your salvation if you're not obedient. You got saved because Christ was obedient and you trusted Christ. Thank God. But I tell you what will happen. God will reject you as a servant. Paul talked about we didn't hit it in Sunday school. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I believe it was, Paul said, I bring my body under subjection. He said, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, it's very possible for God to take me and put me up on the shelf because I'm not usable. Because I don't obey. Paul said, because I won't obey, because I won't temper myself, because I got a right to do it. You can't stop me. I got liberty in Jesus. I'm saved. Paul says, it's very possible God take me and put me right up on the shelf. And when I preach to others, God won't bless what I'm doing. God won't touch what I'm doing. I'll be a castaway. Brother Nathan, I've been witnessing to so-and-so. I've been doing this here. I've been trying to go here. I've been trying to do this. Well, let me ask you something. Have you been obedient? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm doing this great service for God. Not if you're not obeying. Not if you're not obeying. 
Samuel, verse 28, Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine. Watch what he says. That's better than thou. Somebody's better than you. Did you know that? If you're not obedient, somebody's better than you. You say, who's better than me? The one that is. Yes, sir. Look down here in verse 32. I'll close right here. Then, Samuel, then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. This is the king of the Amalekites. And Samuel said, as thy sword, Samuel, talking to him. Samuel said, as thy sword hath made child, women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. You know what that is right there? Saul was disobedient to the Lord and he thought he was doing a great service for God. But what he did is he made a mess. And somebody else had to come behind him and clean up the mess. I'm doing this all for you, Lord. And God said, that's not what I asked. Now somebody's got to come up and clean up on aisle nine. One of my children down here made a mess, and now I've got to send one of my other children over here to get it all cleaned up. Just because this hardhead's not being obedient, he thinks he's helping, but he's really making a mess. You say, what's the, what's the matter with this guy making a mess? What's the matter with this woman making a mess? They're operating under a spell. You say, what's the spell? Self-will. It's just what I want to do. In Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. You know what the next phrase says? Let me tell you what it doesn't say. It does not say, We have turned everyone to a horrible way. We've turned everyone to a sinful way. No, that's not what it says. It says, We've turned everyone to his own way. You know what made us sinners? You know what made us sinners? Us just doing what we wanted to do. You so, saw, Brother Nathan, uh, what made us sinners was adultery and murder and envy and thievery. No, sir. All that falls under a much bigger heading. It all falls under the heading of you just doing what you want to do. Self will. That's your spell. Yes, sir. Father, I pray you help us tonight. God, I pray that you work on hearts. God, deal, Lord, as you see fit, Lord, and God, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some have come tonight and you feel like you need to do business with the Lord. Why don't you come on, do business with God as he leads.